Getting Better Healthcare is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our healthcare system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Healthcare, to help walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our healthcare system as it exists and as it could be. For better health care and a better health care system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve. Welcome to Getting Better Health Care on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman, founder of the drscore.com physician rating website. On today's program, we're going to be discussing what insurers can and are doing to make health care more affordable and to increase the quality of our medical care system. We're going to be speaking with Dr. Anthony Wynn. He's a board-certified internal medicine physician and senior vice president for care management at WellPoint Incorporated. In his role, he oversees medical management for commercial, Medicare, and Medicaid members covered by WellPoint and oversees the physicians and nurses who carry out WellPoint's mission of providing affordable, quality health care. Uh, Anthony, um, Dr. Wynn, um, to start, tell us a little bit about WellPoint. Yeah, and uh, thank you, Steve. WellPoint is the largest health benefits company in the country, and we cover uh, over 33 million lives or beneficiaries spanning uh, in multiple states. Um, what WellPoint is fixated on is improving the lives of, of our card holders, our members. And so we have various indexes that we uh, follow, state and member health index, to improve the lives of our members and our beneficiaries. Wow, 33 million members. So um, are, are you comparable in scope as to the federal government and how many lives you cover? Uh, no, we'd we love to be there someday, but uh, no, uh, uh, Medicare is, is quite bigger. And, and do you, presumably, you cover some Medicare lives, too? Absolutely. So uh, overall, uh, in terms of we're a Blues, uh, we have uh, multiple states. And uh, as a Blues member, in, among the Blues, uh, they cover, I believe, one in three um, Americans mm-hmm. in this country. So that gives you a little perspective. Very good. Now, you know, when, when I think of insurers, I think, well, their job is to pay for medical care. But it sounds like if you're in charge of healthcare quality and innovations for this insurer, that the insurer is doing a whole lot more than just paying for medical care for people. Absolutely, Steve. And so for us, to, to, uh, our, one of our main focuses is to keep healthcare affordable, quality, affordable care. And for us to, to be able to carry out that mission, we have to do more than just cover. And that's really the difference between us and traditional Medicare, where we, Medicare, the government just covered, paid for uh, services rendered. We do more than that, um, and my role is to oversee that process of the value, the additional value that we bring. So examples that I would love to be able to share with you is, is how our nurses, over, uh, our nurses and doctors, over 5,500 of them that report up to me, 
are engaged daily in, in talking to members, uh, either on the 24-hour advice line or doing care coordination, which is what a case manager does, so that when Steve leaves the hospital, we have uh, he has an appointment for follow-up, he has transportation needs, and sometimes social needs uh, as well, even meals being delivered. Those are the uh, types of aspects that we're engaged in to ensure that our members are getting the best care possible and affordable care, managing our premiums. So these 5,500 doctors, we're not, we're not talking about an HMO that you run where these doctors are the primary care doctors for these patients. This is, these are doctors and nurses who are devoted to, as you mentioned, coordinating the care um, and making sure that the care being delivered by other doctors and nurses is affordable and of the highest quality. Absolutely, Steve. So an example is, God forbid, if you were about to have a hip replacement, you would have one of our associates call you and say, are you aware of what to expect? Do you have a follow-up appointment after you have your procedure done? And are you aware of you know, how to manage your pain? And these are the general guidelines. So we don't practice care, but we enable people to, number one, be educated and about the care that they're being uh, given and number two, coordinating that care. Because Steve, a Medicare beneficiary today has over five different physicians that they see, sometimes ten. And a lot of times in a healthcare system, doctors aren't coordinating with one another. Well, we are the, in the perfect role to do that because we get access, we see the claims, and we help our members coordinate the care. So one of my doctors here at WellPoint might be having that conversation with that dermatologist from Mayo uh, and that other practicing primary care doctor down the street so, just, so that we can coordinate and members can get the best care possible. The things you in your beautiful example of the hip replacement, the things that you said you were doing, uh, making sure patients have a follow-up appointment, things like that, uh, that sounds like stuff the, the, the patient's doctor should be doing. You should, and uh, a lot of times you'd be surprised when we call and, and find out um, it's not happening. And for various reasons where maybe it's not being covered in the 15-minute example, maybe the person is a Medicare beneficiary, and maybe they have uh, behavioral health issues as well, too. So it, it takes a lot of coordination uh, because people come from all different backgrounds, social, economic status, and they have different levels of understanding of their health. Now, you're setting it up to do this with with your doctors and nurses uh, supplementing, or should we say, complementing the the patients' uh, personal physicians, the five to ten doctors that they're seeing. Um, is there a way to do this uh, instead of of hiring nurses and doctors to? pay physicians based on the quality of the care? If they're not giving the patient a follow-up appointment, you just don't pay them as much? We can uh, do that. And in some areas where we have paper performance, that's certainly part of the case. And we, we'd rather leverage the care so that if an orthopedic surgeon is giving the best care and has lower infection rates, then now they're reimbursed at a higher rate. And that's a hypothetical example. Mm -hmm. um, we have those uh, incentives in place, and we pay hundreds of million dollars in pay for performance or quality-related uh, reimbursement. That's, that's very important. That's a crux of what we believe is how we are going to get towards affordable, high-quality care, is just like you and I paying for performance. Uh, 
But we also understand that you have to have sophisticated, more sophisticated systems in place to be able to monitor and track. And so we not only have the doctors and nurses, but we also have the infrastructure to, to identify. So, for instance, we can now under, uh, take a look and given the depth of which we have in terms of the membership in any one of our particular states, we have the data to track. And so we can say with higher level confidence, Dr. Steve is providing higher quality versus lower quality, and now we can give that type of feedback. Yeah. Now I'm going to ask this in an odd sort of way. Do you also have the in- infrastructure to rate the quality of the patient? And now that sounds weird, but the patient may or may not be taking their medicines. They may or may not be filling their prescriptions. You have the data also, I guess, on, on whether um, – whether they're refilling their medication on a monthly basis. Um, are you rating them and doing anything to, to change their behavior? So, Steve, great question. We're not rating the members, but we, we do bring the information and bring it to the awareness of the member. So, for example, we have uh, a company that is a wholly owned subsidiary called Resolution Health. And what that company does is it takes the pharmacy data, as an example, and combines that with medical data and your benefits. So, for instance, for example, if uh, Steve, you're a diabetic, we can say remind you, hey, you haven't filled your prescription within, uh, you know, two weeks. And not only that, we can also tell you, hey, given your benefit design, we would like to refer you to ABC Pharmacy instead of XYZ because here you can get uh, a lower copay based on your benefit design. And these are the drugs that are based on evidence that we uh, that. Um, we would recommend or your physician would likely recommend. So not only do we have that data, but we also have the means to communicate to the member so that they can engage in better health. Based based on personal experience, I want to plug in for not waiting retrospectively until the patient hasn't filled their prescription. You know, I I use the seven-day pill planner, and uh, the uh, week or two ago I was filling it up with my Simvastatin generic pills, and opened the bottle, and there was only one pill. You know, for those seven days, I was like, oh, I need a refill. Shouldn't somebody have told me that a few days ago? Yeah, absolutely. And that's where we want to get towards more real-time engagement uh, of uh, uh, that member. And so let me share with you an example of what we're doing here at WellPoint. We have uh, we've launched a randomized clinical trial with uh, members uh, of the WellPoint House account where they're wearing devices, remote monitoring devices. So they're wearing it on their bodies that is not just a pedometer, but it's also accelerometer. So it has the same technology as like what we see in the Wii Nintendo game. Yes. So with this little... We dermatologists, uh, by the way, are using those things to measure how much itching patients have. It, well, exactly. And so now what we, we get this information in real time, and so that data is uploaded real time, and our nurses now are monitoring. So they know, a nurse right now knows that Anthony has only walked 2,000 steps today, and his goal is to hit 10,000. So that health educator, that clinician, will over a few days, if they see this constant trend, and I'm not kind of picking up my pace, then they're going to call me, engage me, and, and motivate me. It also, this device that we're wearing today also measures your sleep, Steve. So it knows when I go to sleep, when I wake up, how much I'm tossing and turning. And so over two days, if they see that, geez, Anthony has had an hour less sleep than his usual baseline, 
they'll call me and ask me, hey, have you tried yoga? Have you tried these other activities? Or have you reduced your caffeine? Because part of being healthy and well means having good night's sleep, and that promotes productivity. So, so real yeah, time is key. That's really cool. So presumably if somebody is uh, waking up shortly after falling asleep and having trouble going back and they're up now, you know they're depressed and you can get them into a psychiatrist in theory. It, well, because it, it's not in theory. This is something that we are working on right now because now I know last night, for instance, and, and it could be in real time if the base station is nearby you, um, we're, we're seeing that information getting fed, and we're looking for patterns. And then now we get that biometric information, and then we bi- combine it to with medical and pharmacy. So we know Steve is, number one, running low on his uh, cholesterol medication. But we also know that Steve is exercising, but then he fell off the wagon not exercising. So then that's a double whammy where you're not taking your medication or, or you're about to run out and you're not exercising. So when we engage with you, Steve, we'll talk to you about both. And it's not just a simple reminder to take a pill. I foresee us going way beyond that. And it's not about just taking a pill. It's about lifestyle modification, encouragement, and getting the data to hold you accountable. We're talking with Dr. Anthony Wynn. He's Senior Vice President and Medical Director of Healthcare Quality and Innovations for WellPoint, the largest insurer in the country. this is fabulous. So if I drop, basically have a stroke and suddenly stop moving at all, if I have one of these remote monitors on, you could probably even send an ambulance to my home. Now, now that's great, and I, and I presume that, uh, that you don't require your uh, enrollees to, to wear one of these devices, um, that people opt in. But I guess I, I would begin to wonder at some point since – you're being paid, presumably well point for most people, is being paid by the employer, and the employer wants to keep their health care costs down. If at some point we have to worry that, well, the employer is going to require us to wear these, to do that walking, to stop the smoking in order to keep their costs down, and if not, they're going to fire, patient, fire employees or make them pay more of their health care costs. Uh, is that a direction that uh, we need to keep in mind? No, I see employers using this as a tool to motivate rather than be uh, uh, punitive. In other words, hey, Steve, if you now hit your 10,000 goal, we're going to give you extra uh, dollars or we're going to now limit the rate increases next year because most health care costs continue to, to go up. And we might now, I can see uh, a uh, purchaser saying, hey, we're going to cap you off and you have this healthy behavior. Here's how you get rewarded. You might even get cash back. So I see this as a more of a, a carrot rather than a stick. And I see this especially as we go towards health exchanges when people are now going to buy insurance themselves, like we buy car insurance. Hey, if I've got a good track record and I don't have any tickets, I should get rewarded for that. And here this is the same example where if a person, individual says, hey, look, here's my data. I exercise daily and here's the proof I have. I should get a lower premium when I purchase uh, insurance. And I see that as really where we're going to go, more uh, akin to other uh, insurance products such as the auto industry. Yeah, it's great. It's, I guess it's a half a glass is half empty or half full. You and I see. I mean, it's going to be great for me because I do exercise regularly. I take my, I'm one of these obsessive compulsive people who, you know, takes a Simvastatin. My dental uh, insurance rate should be very low because with that remote 
accelerometer, you'll be able to see me brushing my teeth uh, and flossing. Um, <laughs> we yeah. won't be able to uh, see a brush and flossing, but what, let me share with you one oh, I'm sure that, come on, the accelerations of my wrist when I'm moving that hand up and down on my teeth, that has to be a very distinctive uh, pattern of uh, acceleration. Well, the exciting thing, Steve, is if uh, you're like most males that are married, you're definitely afraid of your wife, like I am. Uh-huh. And so the, with this accelerometer slash pedometer, we also enable you to connect with your uh, friends. So there's a social networking uh-huh. aspect. That's now, brilliant. You can friend your spouse. So when, when our members hit their first goal, we now are going to gift them, gift them uh, another Fitbit which is the product that we've got a collaboration with. It's called F-I-T-B-I-T, a Fitbit. And now you can give that to your spouse, and your spouse can you can now share data. And because you're sharing data, you can look at her, she can look at you, and you can also tweet her when you hit that 10,000 goal step for the day and vice versa. And if she's not seeing you're hitting your goal, well, you might have to be explaining yourself to her. All right. I'm going to talk about um, innovation with you later. The last thing I want to talk about in this first half is uh, the role of medical directors. Um, As a physician and as a patient, um, some things aren't covered. Is the medical director the person I talk to? And and are there other roles that they play at the health plan? So medical directors generally do not uh, talk to our members. They're usually in the backdrop uh, background talking to your physicians, the, the health educators and nurses are, are the ones. Because I don't want to confuse uh, members. So, uh, Steve, you can imagine yourself talking to a medical director from a health plan. It's like, wait a minute, are you treating me or are you just giving me information? So it's a little bit overkill for a doctor to now be talking to a member yes. uh, because it confuses the, the, it can confuse the individual. So what, did, we what like, did the medical directors talk to physicians about? coordination of care. So, for instance, somebody is in the intensive care unit, and, you know, we see now five different doctors now treating that one individual in the intensive care unit, and we see there's not a lot of care coordination going on. One of the medical directors might even just set up a meeting and to now facilitate a conversation with all stakeholders so that we the family, or mostly the family and the treating physicians can get together to have that conversation. That's one example. Another example is, hey, you know, you, God forbid, have treatment for oncology because of a cancer, and the treatment that we're seeing here is not the recommended treatment based on evidence-based guidelines. So then our doctor, who is probably the same specialist oncologist at our shop, We'll talk to the treating oncologist and say, hey, perhaps you might want to consider these other treatment algorithms, um, modalities. Have that type of healthy conversation so that it's peer-to-peer. It's not done in a punitive way. Our doctors in the care management space are not denying care at all. Well, I'm glad you raised that because, you know, I think people notice the outliers often. You know, the, the steady drone of an air conditioner you don't hear. If there's a change, you notice the the 90, whatever it is, 99% of the time insurers pay for people's health care. Nobody pays attention to that. The one time that the insurer doesn't, people, you know, notice that and say, oh, insurers are denying or in the business of denying care. I mean, that's we know they're in the business for paying for care, but the perception is that they're in the business of denying care and trying to, you know, keep as much money as possible. Um, 
presumably some things just aren't covered services in contracts. Presumably there may be some gray areas, and are, are the medical directors involved in decision-making there? Yes, and then they're, they're involved in, in, in having dialogue and discussions with the treating physicians so that in these areas of gray that we can now resort to the evidence and the, the science behind the treatment. Because medicine is very complicated, and treating physicians might not always be up to date. We have specialist medical directors that have background in every, almost every specialty um, in the medical arena. And so we would like to have the treating physician have a discussion with our physician who has the same background, same specialty, and have a peer-to-peer -peer discussion so that we can ensure the best care is being rendered. At the end of the day, it's the treating physician that's going to make that call. Well, it's clear there's a lot that insurers are now doing to help address problems of uh, affordability and quality in healthcare. Uh, Dr. Wynn, who's Senior Vice President for Care Management at WellPoint, is going to join us again next week to discuss in more detail some of the exciting innovations they're doing, um, the ways they're using technology, and ways they're engaging patients uh, to better um, our health care system, to make care, again, uh, higher quality and more affordable. Uh, well, that's our show for today. Our theme music is by the incomparable Michael Zioli. Our show was brought to you in part by a grant from Leo Pharma. Until next time, I wish you the best of health. Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare empowerment. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E.com. DrScore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Healthcare.